He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. This is my favorite thing, my favorite thing about working with bees is seeing the bees chew their way out of their little wax out of their little wax capping. So the bee that's under these cells here will, when they're ready, they'll start chewing this little wax capping off and emerge from these little cells. And it's so cute. It's the most cute process. PhD student Zoe Smeal has a rack from the hive in hand and she's scanning it for a honeybee emerging from a brood cell to show me. See this one? Yeah, there we exactly. Are. See, Isn't that see so the little antennae see the little poking ant- out? Oh. This is so cute. Oh, do I see it? And you see this one here that's crawling around? That will be, she'll be like a really new bee because she's so furry um, and she kind of looks a bit dewy almost. I really didn't know a lot about bees before going on a tour with Zoe and her fellow PhD student Rose McGruddy. But now I'm at the top of Tetoki Arata building in the Kelburn campus of Victoria University of Wellington in a bee suit in what's essentially a large metal cage with four beehives in it. And I'm learning a lot. I'm just looking for the There queen. she is. Here she is. Oh, she's beautiful. Yeah. That's your fat abdomen. Yeah. She's quite a lot bigger, isn't she? Yeah. And she lays up to, is it 2,000 eggs a day? She yeah. can lay up to 2,000 eggs in a day. And does she deposit just like a, an egg per comb? Yeah. There were some on that frame that I just put down... These cells are about five millimetres across, and so the eggs are tiny. They hatch into the larva stage, a teeny tiny pale grub that sits in the cell. And it's essentially got one job, which is to eat and then grow. It gets help to do this from nurse bees who bring food to the little cell. Zoe shows me cells with some larvae that are curled up in the bottom. Oh, and I can see them at different sizes. Yeah, so the small oh. ones are kind of roughly the stage that we would be um, that we would bring into the lab. They're kind of robust enough to um, not be cannibalized by the nurses, and also uh, young enough to still be kind of fed enough of the treatment for the experiment. And that's why the hives are here on campus to provide participants for different experiments investigating a new type of technology could help the bees against their greatest enemy, the Varroa destructor mite. Down in the lab, Rose McCready fills me in on the gory details. Varroa mites parasitise honeybees. They basically chew a hole in the side of the bee and then they target the, I guess you call it the fat body, but it's basically the equivalent of the liver in a human. And if you can imagine a parasite on you the size of a dinner plate feeding on you, that is the equivalent of a varroa mite on a honeybee. And what does this mean for people who have honeybee hives who are trying to make a, a living out of it? It's very hard. You cannot maintain a beehive in this country. Well, anywhere in the world now, unfortunately, now that Australia also has this parasite, you have to treat for this parasite two, three, sometimes four times a year, which does cost money. Otherwise, your hive will collapse or die. As Zoe explains, the mites can impact the bees in a couple of ways, which just accumulate and spell really bad news for the hive. A lot of the damage also comes from the virus that, or multiple viruses that Varroa can vector to bees, um, and that can really decimate large populations. One of the viruses, called deformed wing virus, in bees that are 
parasitized as they're becoming adults. They emerge from these cells with kind of deformed wings, so they can't fly, they don't take care of the brood, um, and you can really knock down uh, the population in a hive that way. But even Varroa itself, you know, it's fe- it's feeding on a very important organ in bees that is involved in immune responses, um, and so it can it really has negative effects um, at the individual level, which translates to colony level effects. And you're basically investigating a new way to deal with these, but what's the current way that beekeepers treat for Varroa mite? The current way beekeepers use now is using pesticides, basically chemical or organic but you put it directly into the hive. It controls the varroa, but it can have non-target effects on your bees. Being a pesticide, it's not good for non-target species. It's not good for the health of the bees, and it can have effects on the environment. So this new technology is looking for a a more eco-friendly, more specific way of controlling this pest without harming bees or people or the environment. Do we know how long varroa mite has been in New Zealand? They picked up on it in 2000, early 2000s, uh, so we've had just over 20 years experience with it, but we are beginning to see resistance to some of our chemical treatments developing potentially, so there is an increasing need to look for new technologies like RNA interference. RNA interference. That's what both Zoe and Rose are investigating as a potential new treatment for varroa mites and bees. The actual treatment they're studying has been developed by a US company called Greenlight Biosciences. They actually began field trials 2015-2016 and they were seeing the effects of this particular RNA interference treatment in beehives and then they kind of have taken a step back and done some lab trials with us to find out, okay, we know from our field trials we are seeing an effect on varroa mites but what is actually happening and how is this treatment reducing mite populations? Which is where our mini hive experiment came into play and where we discovered that it was actually, in fact, targeting reproduction rather than killing mites. Bad news for the mites. Potentially good news for the bees. The lab experiments and subsequent gene expression studies that Zoe did has helped them to understand a bit more about how the RNA interference is working. But of course, the key question is around its effectiveness in real beehives. Back on the rooftop walkway, I ask Rose how you go about testing the RNA interference treatment in the field. You find some willing beekeepers wanting to participate in a trial like this. So Phil and I did scout out some beekeepers at the Apiculture Conference last year to find who would be willing participants in this trial and we found one for the North Island so we found a beekeeper in Bulls and another beekeeper in Ashburton who were willing to participate and basically sacrifice their hives to a field trial because you don't know what's going to happen and like all trials you do need to have control groups which meant these hives would not receive any treatment for Varroa and of course as we know if you don't treat for Varroa you will lose that beehive. What stage is that at then? Have those field trials begun? We began our trials last summer just gone so 2022 we started in October and we tried these treatments out in beehives we had 160 beehives in Ashburton and 160 in Bulls and yeah we've just gotten the results from that trial, it went for a year we wanted to see how this treatment was affecting hives for a long 
period of time and each hive received a spring treatment and an autumn treatment just to replicate what would happen in a normal hive. We had two doses of this DSRNA product that we trialled and then we had a sugar water control treatment but of course there's no point developing a new product without seeing how it compares to the products already available so we also had a treatment where the hives received the classic chemicals pesticides that beekeepers use now so we had an apivar and bavarol combo for our fourth treatment and what were the results how did it stack up So we found that in bulls that the DSRNA treatment was effective in controlling mite levels for 18 to 24 weeks. It kept mite levels quite low. It wasn't quite as effective as the Apivar Bavarol treatment, which was a little disappointing, but at the same time, This treatment is more targeted for Varroa and it's less toxic and to see that it was still effectively controlling mite levels was great to see. In Ashburton, unfortunately, we had bigger hives at the start of the trial and the treatment proved to not be quite as effective in controlling mite levels, which is why we are conducting another experiment this upcoming summer to see how much treatment is needed per hive to ensure that it's effective in controlling varroa reproduction. So these are the field trials that are taking place in New Zealand. Are there corresponding field trials that are taking place in the U.S.? Or are they past that stage now? The US have done multiple trials over the last few years. I am not entirely sure if they're planning on doing another experiment. They're coming into winter now, so they will have just been wrapping up their summer trials. They have found that the DSRNA treatment is actually more effective than their Apivar or chemical treatments over there, their pesticide and that is because over in the states, mites have developed resistance to a lot of the chemicals that are available to beekeepers and with no new chemical treatments coming through, this DSRNA is a beacon of hope really for beekeepers over in the states. They lose 50% of their beehives every year and Varroa is a massive driver of those losses. And so the company has actually gone ahead and applied for approval from their equivalent of the EPA, right? Yes, so they are hoping to have this product out for their beekeepers to use in a year, if all things go well. And in terms of New Zealand timeline, what are you looking at? We need to do more research to make sure it isn't having any unexpected non-target effects on any of our species as we've learnt in this country it's really important that you tick as many boxes as you can before introducing something into an environment. Thanks to PhD students Rose McRuddy and Zoe Smeal from the School of Biological Sciences at Te Waka, Victoria University of Wellington. And to their supervisor Professor Phil Lester for his help in arranging the interview and for the loan of his bee suit. This one was produced by me, Claire Kincannon, with help from Liz Garten and Ellen Rikers. Sound engineering was by Steve Burridge, and Tim Watkin is executive producer of podcasts and series at RNZ. Our webpage is at rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld, and if you want to get in touch with us, you can email ourchangingworld at rnz.co.nz or find us on Facebook or X. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. Kia pai, the wiki.